of the ladder. At least Third Army earned its pay. In our drive across Europe, we liberated 12,000 cities and towns, inflicted a million and a half enemy casualties. I have a feeling that from now on, just being a good soldier won't mean a thing. I'm afraid we're going to have to be diplomats, administrators, you name it. God help us. <laughs> George, I want to say one thing. You've done a magnificent job here in Europe. That's right, George. I think that soldier you slapped back there in Sicily did more to win the war than any other private in the army. I'll see you for dinner. 1,000 years, Roman conquerors returning from the wars enjoyed the honor of a triumph, a tumultuous parade. In the procession came trumpeters and musicians and strange animals from the conquered territories, together with carts laden with treasure and captured armaments. The conqueror rode in a triumphal chariot, the dazed prisoners walking in chains before him. Sometimes his children, robed in white, stood with him in the chariot or rode the trace horses. A slave stood behind the conqueror, holding a golden crown and whispering in his ear a warning that all glory is fleeting. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour... Our host, Tom Dupree, Missy Clifton, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So for those of you who are of my vintage, that's the final line from Patton. I can't listen to it without getting teared up. And... When you think about Third Army's push through Europe to defeat the Nazis, who would have certainly destroyed the entire world, and that it was based on the audacity, to some degree, of George Patton, and that they were able to make this movie 25 years after it happened. I mean, that's really recent. Came out summer of 1970 and I recall I probably watched it five times that summer only 35 cents to go to the movies back then but uh, I think that his final line all glory is fleeting is something that we have to really think about. When we think we've won a victory, it's undoing. It's often right around the corner. We think we have really gotten to where we can coast. Then something to the contrary can come up very quickly. And you look at our country and the victories that 
we won over the years and where we are right now. And, uh, you know, Patton, the thing about him, this managerial class was already trying to manage him out of existence. And he died after that in a way that nobody could quite figure out how it happened. It was a car wreck, but there was some cloud over it. Um, And you look at what this managerial class has done now as we look – to where our country is today, that they will get along to go along to get along in any, you know, make peace with anybody. And every time, you know, you do that, you bargain away a part of your soul. One thing about George Patton is that his soul was still intact. It had not been bargained away. It hadn't been compromised. He was a pure warrior. And, of course, you know, they're having this big party with the Russians. They just defeated the Nazis. And then he gets on the phone to Beetle Smith and says, I want to kick their ass back to uh, Moscow, you know. And they're saying, oh, you're crazy. You know, they're our allies. No, they weren't. You know, they, they weren't. And, and it's so you look at Speaker McCarthy. Is it McCarthy or McCarthy? How is it? McCarthy. Yeah. Doesn't that okay. say something that you don't even know? All right. Now, listen. Hmm. Kevin McCarthy. The. Yeah. Unlike Paul McCartney. McCartney. Yeah. Or Walter McCarthy. Now you're really confusing okay. yourself. All right. Yeah. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is when a man or a woman cuts too many deals they lose part of themselves and i'm not saying yay matt gates or boo you know the rhinos it's i don't really have a dog in this fight in in a sense well i do because i'm a citizen i pay taxes but the, the 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 thing i'm trying to say here is It's just an observation that I have when you've been able to deal with everybody, you don't really stand for anything. And that was the thing with McCarthy. It was like, why did it take 15 times to get him speaker to begin with? Now he's been been, uh, kicked out. Well, would you not say lose the speaker? Lose the speaker's position or release the J6 footage, Tom? That's what he said he was going to do. Every single minute of it, he was going to release the J6. And he never did. Footage. No. Ex- explain what None. the J6 January 6th. January 6th. Yeah. There's a lot All, of stuff on there that these shows. These people that are sitting there rotting in cells, giving yeah. no, really no due process for, I think <laughs> there would be, you know, some speculation as to why right. they are sitting in jail manufactured uh, charges. I mean, there certainly seems to be, um, there's something amiss. And he said he would release all of the footage and that we would know. You know, I, I've who always... Is he, who is he? Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy. Okay. Right. That, that was part of his, that was part of his, his 
his plea to become Speaker of the House was that he would right wrongs. You know, so he just didn't. He hasn't done. He okay, hasn't raised a lot of the stuff. We just you just brought up Patton. Let me let me let me interrupt you. But you know, I've always told you know raising my family, it was say what you mean and mean what you say. Mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy, crystal clear, said that he would be the person to right the wrongs to expose the issues that went on from the beginning and particularly from January 6th and exactly that he would release all of the footage and that the American public would be able to judge for themselves what went on. That did that not illustrates happen. my point perfectly is that people are tired of politicians saying this, saying that, and it never happens. And consequently, um, you get people that somebody is going to become and it's going to become a um, piece of dirt in the machinery and cause it to not run. The fact that it's been running, here's the thing that the people in Washington don't understand. Oh, they're causing a government shutdown. The fact that the government is running is actually working contrary to the American people every day because now our government is actually in opposition to the free market, to the things we do here, to our life as free citizens. And the average citizen knows this. They can't tell you how they know it, but they intuitively know that these people are not working on my behalf. They're working against me. And there you are. They are representatives of the people. <coughs> and so, quite frankly, uh, you know, the, the speaker pro tem is uh, Patrick McHenry from North Carolina. And he was, you know, pushed to the position of he set everybody home. According That's, that's of today. This is Wednesday that we're taping this. Um, but set everybody home for a week. And quite frankly, I don't really have an issue with that because I would like for it's, it's, each of it's our like representatives. Has everybody been sort of put in time out? Yeah, like, and I would like for them to go home and listen to their constituents to actually maybe, you know, this is an opportunity to understand, you know, what, well, what, we, what we the people, what, what the constituents are thinking. Our representative is, if he, is, if he comes in and, as planned, uh, we're probably going to tape a, a segment with him next week. And, and, and one of the things where he and I have sort of not seen eye to eye. And you're referring to Andy Barr. Yes. And, you know, Andy Barr, Thomas Massey, that they voted, they voted not to oust Kevin McCarthy. They were, you know, they were not the you don't really Republicans. Know. Here's the thing. That Here's the thing. They might not have wanted to be on record. They might have known there was enough votes to oust him, and therefore they vote to – these okay. people play a lot of games. Okay. Well, and they usually get just enough votes to get the mission yeah, accomplished. I mean, it was you narrowly – it was a narrow vote. Well, it always – It always is. Yeah, that's – no, it is by design. It's like sometimes there's a bill – the representative wants it to pass, mm-hmm. but the speaker or the whip will say, listen, you can vote against this because I know it's going to look bad for you back in your 
in your in your district. district. And so because it's going to pass anyway, we know we've got the vote. So you can vote however you want or just abstain or whatever they do. They don't typically abstain. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that you have no idea where those guys would have voted if they knew they are going to kind of let the Democrats all vote as a block, and then they had enough votes. So Massey and that crowd – you know, may have wanted to see him gone. He's a, he's a, I don't know. I mean, I just, all right, I got to read a psalm at some point. That's right. We kind of jumped right into Well, because we, it, it was. When you intro with Patton, you don't have much know, choice but to get going. I mean, you know, everybody should go back and watch that movie from time to time because it's such a, I mean, it's such a lesson in character. And George C. Scott gave the most incredible performance and, um, all right, this is Psalm 35. Boy, these Psalms, especially for me in the King James Version, I just am a guy who loves the King James. Um, and I, I love the language. I'm not, I mean, it's just to me, it's, it's holy. The, 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 the English language in the late 1500s, early 1600s, you know, Shakespeare was already in the bag. And you go through a Oxford English Bible or Oxford English dictionary. And you look at all these different words and then it'll give a, it'll give a, it'll give a, um, a description of a word or a definition. And then it goes and looks at usages Always there'll be a Shakespeare thing in there, and then you'll see a King James version. I mean, because it cites. Have you ever read the Oxford English, the OED? I mean, it's like forty volumes, and they'll have two pages on the word "the," big pages, very narrow space, and then they'll go into all these. T- have you read all those the volumes? whole thing? <laughs> and you know what? I could get all of it on one of these Bill Ambrose zip drives. <laughs> you, you, you don't have me. to get the big book anymore. You it's, got me thinking about, uh, I had to learn Chaucer's uh, One Thought Up with oh, the Shores. Okay. Well, that's the, the drop too. to Rosser. Tales. I mean, that's Middle English. It's a different kind of English. They don't have that. In, they don't. They put modern English in the OED, not, not Middle English. Not All right, English. Psalm All right. 35, plead my cause, O Lord. With them that strive with me, fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. And this is the last verse, or this is six. I love this verse. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. I mean, how's that for having that on your side? See, that's the thing. When Patton was accused of slapping the soldier, which, of course, he did, before he went out and admitted to 
everybody what he had done, which was a required thing. They made him, Eisenhower made him apologize publicly. He basically prayed, uh, he's, his prayer in the movie is from Psalm 63, where he says, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul seeketh after thee like a dry and like as if in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. It, the, the, the language of the psalmist is always the language, frequently, I should say, not always. It's frequently the language of one who is up against sore oppression and is basically beseeching God, you know, to help him. Now, and I'm going to say this, in this veil of tears that we live in on this earth, when we get to a point where we think, okay, I can coast now, oftentimes we have rude awakenings which put us back in the spot of having to pray for deliverance and help because humility is the only thing that really <laughs> kind of gets it done in the long run. Go for it. Wait, what? <laughs> you, I know you've been sitting there like you're biting the microphone. No, no, not at all. No, <laughs> I mean, you were you were on a roll for the I mean, songs. Okay, I'm, I'm all I'm, about I'm, the. All right, well, it, that, no, I got. I know you it, got something to say. As you were talking, though, it does remind me that you know why is it that we tend to think to pray when things are bad oh, and we are questioning, sure. right? As well, there's psalms to, where they're praying, praising God too, so it's not that bad. Whatever. No, well, I just think that our, you know, our current situation, I, I was visiting a relative who um, likes to watch the current news all the time. So, I, you know, the... You know, Would the, this be a close relative? Yes. And it was just, <laughs> it was the, you know, there's, whether it's Fox News or CNN, yeah. all of the kind of the, you know, the typical channels were on. And I do not watch the news. Oh, I know you do. And so it was... I, you don't have time to. I have to. You're working all day long. It was a. Uh, it was. It was like I had to empty my head after. Um, you know, after just the spiel Icky. and the 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 sensationalism and the drama and the you know uh, the sound much. bites of of contentious. It just it doesn't make you feel very good. Mm. It's not. It's not uplifting, if you will. Well, and we did have a an email. Uh, from a listener in the past week who it was actually a chat text on our website. Okay. Let's get specific. Good. You're always asking for feedback. Well, and I, I was glad to get it, but this person said he was talking about the time when I did something on personal responsibility, which was basically I was getting into what's goes on in downtown, which we're going to kind of get into in the second half about homeless people and feeding people for free and that. And I got into this thing of personal responsibility. And he had to say, well, does it apply to Trump? And I'm thinking, I don't recall that I mentioned Donald Trump anywhere in there. And what I don't understand is why people that are typically Democrats and, and liberals are still bringing up somebody who hasn't been president in three years and still trying to make their point about it. And I guess, you know, what I'm... Well, I wonder what he thinks about uh, there's an effort to make Donald Trump the Speaker of the House. 
There's that. I, was, I was hoping you would There's, bring there's that. also <laughs> an effort to try to get him off the uh, the ballot. Well, you know why they want to make him Speaker of the House? If the what? If the Speak first into two, the microphone. If the first two people got bumped out, the Speaker of the House automatically becomes president. Right. He's the third in line. <laughs> she, he, they. It. 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 So. They, us, them, them. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that was, uh, I thought, I wondered how well, that Well, now would you over. know. Okay, let's just real quick. Yeah. Do you see how, boy, wondered Gavin Newsom appointed a Maryland resident as the new. Oh, but that was, that was, that song and dance got, her, her, <laughs> her living arrangements quickly changed over changed. to, right. Yeah, that's that's a whole that's a whole interesting that's a whole other yeah, issue. Yeah, it's it's all about the virtue signaling. But even the L.A. Times, which I get on my phone, but don't subscribe to, but I get to read a couple of articles. Even they say this guy is he's full of it. In other Gavin words, Gavin Newsom. Yes. Oh, right. I was going to say. They, 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 of course, he's Northern California, right. and they're Southern. So there's a you know there's probably that rivalry, but you know. Gavin Newsom, the man. So I'm breaking my own rule. What the hell is that? It's from the Pat and Sam track. We're yeah, continuing that's by the Jerry thing. Goldsmith. I recognize it. Jerry Goldsmith wrote that, and he got an Academy Award, and he wrote for lots of different shows. It's and iconic. lots of movies. Yeah, it's, it's iconic. iconic. And it's it's dissonant. All right, it's we got to go. It's not always harmonious. This is our outro music. Right, You've been listening it. to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Who knows where we'll go? Stay tuned. Sounds kind of tinny. It's my transistor radio. This is Tom Dupree at Dupree Financial Group. Our primary concern is getting you through retirement with enough money. In retirement, your monthly expenses don't go away. That's why we focus on investments that pay either monthly or quarterly income. Many folks have no idea of how to tap their retirement accounts for monthly income. We'll show you how. We have 45 years of experience providing income-oriented investments. For a free review of your retirement investment accounts, Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings on News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. For God's sake, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the deaths of kings. How some have been deposed, some slain in war, some haunted by the ghosts they have deposed, some poisoned by their wives, some sleeping killed, all murdered. For within the hollow crown that rounds the mortal temples of a king, Keeps death his court. And there the antic sits, scowling.
coughing his state and grinning at his pump, allowing him a breath, a little scene to monarchize, be feared and kill with looks, infusing him with self and vain conceit, as if this flesh which walls about our life were brass impregnable and humoured thus, comes at the last, and with a little pin bores through his castle wall and Farewell, King. Cover your heads and mock not flesh and blood with solemn reverence. Throw away respect, tradition, form and ceremonious duty. For you have but mistook me all this while. I live with bread like you, feel want, taste grief need friends subjected thus how can you say to me i am a king welcome okay, back to it. the tom dupree show joining us for this segment missy clifton and our host tom dupree and we are powered by dupree financial group cut it back cut it back cut it put that's it's, like, it's another like speech. off yeah so Back, like, turn the volume down. Are you going to ask your listeners if they can identify for a prize where that comes from? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll, I'll identify it. Yeah. That's from uh, the tragedy of, of King Richard II, one of Shakespeare's uh, history plays. So he did comedies, tragedies, and histories, and some of the histories were themselves tragedies. Uh, but... The reason I played that is because we look in today's world at the pursuit of power at this late date in history, and we we understand and from what we can see that that the the lessons never been learned. People have never figured out the hollowness of power the hollowness of having power over others. And we see it in politics, this desire for power. And we see it the way the government has grown. And the only way for politicians to have absolute power is to disable and demobilize what I would call the the middle class, the, the people striving to better their own situations through free enterprise, through effort. And to rain down upon us all sorts of uh, difficulties. And to make people dependent upon the state and dependent upon handouts. Now, if you look at how many people take a handout from the federal government or something like that, you understand why so many people don't want a government shutdown. And if you walk around downtown Lexington and see the population that sort of walks up and down the street, you understand how deeply this society of dependence, which is promoted, of course, by politicians that are 
hungry for power, hungry. You know, they're like Icarus trying to fly close to the sun in love with their own reputations and legacies and ideas of what they think the world should be and how it rotates around them and their careers. And what someone who doesn't seek that or to have the system enrich them but seeks to build things, you know, through dent of hard work and that sort of thing, the difficulty that we deal with. And you look at people that have gotten caught in the net or the safety net that that are roaming downtown Lexington. I mean, it's just so hard to watch. Now you really are ready to bite the microphone. No, I'm not. No, no. I, I as I'm, a downtown dweller. I, as yeah. a downtown, yes, exactly. As a downtown, I mean, you not dweller. only live, you work here. You, you're I, down- I am. I have a front row seat to to Lexington's current situation. Well, and, talk you know, and about I, it. it. It's interesting because I think about you know who defines a situation as a legitimate problem. In, in a bigger context. And then the next question is who defines what the appropriate reaction is to fix that problem? And I think that. Do you really think the powers that be see homelessness as a problem, or do you think they see it as something that is necessary to their hold on power well, for so that there can always be this thing out there that, is beholden to them that they have to try to fix that never gets any better, but they, it's like a perpetual war, you know, in the book, uh, uh, 1984, there was always this thing that they were at war with. They never knew quite who the enemy was or how to defeat him, but they were always at war. This is this homelessness thing. It never goes away. It gets worse. We keep talking about how we have to do more, but it keeps a class of people in power always working on it. Well, do you think there's something to that or do you, what, what do you I, think? I almost have to step back and look at this in kind of a wider angle and think, do we oversimplify the terms homelessness and poverty and why we, we you know, we put them, we kind of tend to traditionally frame them together. And it's an interesting situation because it calls me to kind of, step back and look at kind of the historical references of homelessness and right. poverty. And, and it's, you know, you think about, um, you know, President Johnson's war on poverty in 1960s. You know, I can, I can kind of remember a lot of things that were put, you know, I was, you know, I was born in the 60s. I can remember, you know, there were the pictures of the, uh, the, the Appalachian, you know, the little, you know, the, the, the kids and the, you know, sitting there with no shoes on and all this stuff. And it, it's interesting because, and when I was researching some of the historical references of poverty, they talk about, you know, 60s and then the 70s where there were welfare hotels, that that people had options is the point. And in, in like in the 1970s, it discussed welfare, welfare hotels, which, you know, nobody, I'm not sure anybody wants to live in them, but there were options to get people off the street, if you will. Um, rooming houses, that if you were kicked out of one place where you could lay your head, you could find something that you could afford someplace else. And 
as I was looking at the 1980s, it, there is a decided and very documented change that occurred in the 1980s, that homelessness, real homelessness, emerges as a real problem in the 1980s. Um, there's there's what, lots of information. Go ahead. What was the difference? Well, um, some of it is that uh, they're talking about, you know, they were, Kind of there, there's theoretical and there's empirical, uh, you know, background. You know, a lot of it talking about there was a uh, more expensive housing, uh, profitability, um, not wanting some of these less desirable places near. You know, all of a sudden it's I don't want to be near the welfare hotel. I don't want to be near the the rooming houses. Um, that there was you know money that was being put into. Uh, there's an, other discussions that talk about individualism. Um, in this, in the age of individualism, meaning that you are responsible for your own problems. Therefore, if you're homeless, you're the problem, and it's your actions. Oh, you never hear that now. You don't. Yeah, you don't hear that now. Um, Although it's interesting, I do hang around some. Let's just call them twelve-step meetings. I'm not going to get specific, but there are people that come around uh, from time to time. Uh, that have it would be described as homeless and or might describe themselves as that and uh, there's usually a, a, a chemical uh, addiction component in many cases or uh, at times a, a mental illness component both of those things I've been intimately familiar with over the years not necessarily from personal experience but people i've known um and they can be overcome uh with uh there 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 are numerous ways to to deal with it and many of these programs are doing it but it seems to me like the onslaught of more people in this category sort of outstrips those that are getting recovered well, and along with those, so so you, you, you're right, and there's uh, with you know that kind of goes hand in hand the the vets, you know there there's a veteran popu- population at need. Um, there is a, an explosion of single parent households um, that aren't able to meet some of the income requirements to you know so you've got a mother with children that are looking for shelters. You've got um, also issues where, Families have broken apart so that when yeah. you used to be able to rely on an extended family for shelter, right? Right. Um, and, and by the way, these discussions are kind of apart from the mental illness issue. Right. And, you know, and again, hand in hand, the drug issue, again, which we were talking to uh, a gentleman that was um, explaining how many of the surrounding counties bring their at-needs population into the Lexington area because of either through the, um, the VA or through Eastern State that they'll receive some care. Right. But then when they're released, you know, they just don't stay there. You know, and there's a stigma anymore about, you know, that people don't, aren't sent off to mental institutions. You know, um, they, with the advent of drugs, pharma, you know, pharmacological interventions, these people are released but that puts into the question is you have to have compliance for the medication to continue being able to function. And I think you're seeing a lot of, of you know, that, 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 
that model has gone awry. Well, medication can be helpful, but it also has its limits. A, a lot of other things figure into that. Proper nutrition, proper rest, proper living situations. So there can be a number of things that would hamper one's getting better if one um, has true mental illness. But I, I see downtown, basically what we've done is we have capitulated to what we think is the compassionate way to deal with it, which is just feed people, don't ask them to do anything. Uh, they don't need to um, make any changes. Give them meals, and actually they're restaurant-quality meals. Yep. Uh, and so now we've built government programs around it where money's getting spent, and so somebody's actually getting paid to do this. So there's a constituent. A lot of money, right. Yeah, go ahead. And, well, I was going to say, let's, let's talk about kind of the facts and figures. What's, you know, what's, what's come about recently is, is that Lexington has approximately three times the a number of homeless in our downtown area, you know, in and around, um, than, than, than they actually thought. They were operating on like 800 homelessness. We have 2410, approximately, almost 2,500 homeless individuals, which is, as I said, three times higher than that. Oh, I could have told you that by driving around. Now, how did well, they do the count, and is that count even accurate? It was done on a recent independent street survey. And I, I, I would imagine that if anybody spends any time downtown, you would see – I mean, I, I pass, I, I mean, just on a short two-minute walk, I pass at least three, if not four, and not, and not the same people asleep on the streets coming to, you know, if, if I, because I, I live near Thoroughbred Park, um, and there is quite a bit of a population over there that uses the park for their, you know, that's where their, their main base, if you will, and the waters for bathing and doing their clothes I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely, it's, 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 it's alarming. Well, let's go on. Um, so according to a recent article I was looking at, um, this is interesting. In, 19, in, in 2021, Lexington paid a contractor untold content a jaw-dropping $233,000 for an outreach campaign for a fund to permanently end homelessness in our area. And it... What year? It, 2021. And it ended up being completely a big, as as a family member said, no burger. It was a non-burger. It was nothing. It did nothing. It raised maybe two thousand dollars. Really helped next to no one other than the program. You know, uh, the, the people that were managing it. Um, so you talk about people making money on the situation. It's like the organizers and everybody. It all sounds good, but in practicality... You know, I look at a lot of these organizations that are kind of under the radar screen around Lexington that, that do this and that, and I'm not saying they don't... that they have bad intentions, but what happens is that the um, program itself begins to tap into government money and do this and do that, and... Um, Anyway, it's it's uh, it's kind of our nonprofit world. It's almost like we've got more nonprofits and government groups in Lexington now than we do have actual businesses. Well, you've got you know you you look at who sponsors, you look at who sponsors a lot of events that puts up ten thousand. 
It's actually government entities as if they were companies. Right. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you've got rent skyrocketing, and, and uh, my suggestion is is that the number of homeless Lexingtonians will will just increase. Yeah, because, see, if you can come here and live on the street, you don't have to pay rent, you're going to get fed, you can go somewhere and, and bathe, it ain't going away. Oh, you, did you see? But the free showers, so you know, so that not only um, who's giving free showers. Uh, it's it's done a lighthouse ministry, so they offer free. Yeah. Sh- so there's there is a, a bathing facility. So in Lexington currently, there's a bathing facility. There's you know plenty of places for meals. Um, we also have uh, in in the they're getting ready to pay for warming stations this this uh, this winter at uh, near on Loudon Street. So it's it's a it's an industry. I mean, let me tell you something. They think they want to get rid of it. No, what they're doing is encouraging it. There is it's an encouragement of homelessness. Well, that that brings the that brings the suggestion is okay. If there is more affordable housing, that seems to be the new you know that's the push. The if there is more affordable housing, but it's funny looking at the articles and then reading the comments, which I think is fascinating because you actually there are people that comment that said, "Hey, you're talking about me." And these income restricted properties are so difficult to get into, and they, they, they relate their personal stories, talking about the obstacles that they face. And, and the other thing is, developers don't want to build them because they put so many restrictions on how they build them. It's so expensive to build it; you can't do it profitably. The only reason anybody's going to build something is if if they can make some kind of profit. They're not going to do it for free. Right. They can't. You can't buy the building materials for free. Right. Exactly. So, so I, you know, I, I, there is, um, it, you know, the smartest countries in the world haven't figured out how to solve homelessness. And, and it's, it is a problem that is increasing. Who said we were smart? I'm talking about the smartest countries. I didn't say us. I'm saying. I'm talking about all, us as a country. You know, th- this is. We're not that smart. Clearly not. Clearly I mean, not. it's. I mean, you know, you look at a country that you would say is smart, like let's say Norway. You know what they did? They took a percentage of every barrel of oil that came out of there. Now they've got a like a two and a half, two trillion dollar permanent fund. You know, Kentucky could have done the same thing with coal. We'd have probably five hundred billion, and instead we've got a, a deficit. So we haven't done things very smart. Are you familiar with Housing First, which is a, it's a, it's a, no. it, it is a strategy that is, it, it, obviously it's operating on the premise that getting people off the street and into a home is what they want. Right. Okay. And I, and it, th- I think that's a whole other discussion because I may suggest that that's probably is not what some I don't think they do I I make the assumption you know we I think it's it's natural to make the assumption that no one wants to be cold and scared and feel you know and and feel insecure right Right. um but the housing first is you know it it prioritizes providing permanent housing for people because it it thinks it it operates that people would it, it would save cities money because it would keep them out of emergency facilities and, uh, you know, not having to call 911. Um, you know, there, there are, that it would, that they, they might be sober. They would, you know, housing first is an issue where it's not like you have to be sober and clean and everything. It, it's getting people off the street and into 
a, you know, four, four walls and a, and, a, and a roof and comfortable and that that, that will solve. But that's not going to make some people comfortable because there's a certain adventurousness about living outside. And I understand that. And it's not for everybody. Let me tell you something. I got to know a guy who was from a well-to-do family in Florida. He died. But I used to talk to him. He would come up here. His family was old Florida, and he chose homelessness. He told me that he did. He didn't want to be part of the family. You got people out there that literally choose this way of life. They haven't been victimized by it. Well, I'll leave it with this. I I would just like to see the contractual obligations that our current urban county government have, what their goal is, what they're doing, and people need to understand because I don't, it's not going to get better in its current situation. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. Our financial hour is coming up next. We hope you'll stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Get the important part in there.